G'day, it's Phil Edwards, Vision CEO here, with a quick invitation to become part of this amazing beacon of hope called Vision. Together we can put our love into action to help people of all kinds build or rebuild their lives on the truth of God. Please consider the part you can play during our upcoming Visionathon appeal, remembering that it's your support that makes Vision possible, including this podcast. Life, Culture and Current Events from a Biblical Perspective, 2020 on Vision. Such is the contrast between the two sides of the political divide in Australia. Christians are growing in their concern for not only the broader issues of religious freedom, but also the dynamics of changes to the very social fabric of the entire nation. With a federal election coming in the months ahead, the biggest issues don't seem to stimulate enough informed debate. It would appear that if elected, the Labor Party is looking to extend the reach of Section 18C of the Racial Discrimination Act to cover religion. It's reported the plan would extend the reach of litigation based on Section 18C beyond race to include people claiming they have been offended or insulted because of their religion. Whether it may be accidental or intentional, what it looks like is the Labor Party moving to establish what some are saying Sharia law by stealth in order to prevent people offending Islam. We're going to have a conversation about this issue today and inviting you to join in our conversation. Our talkback line will be open very shortly on 1-800-316-316. You can also leave a question or a comment on our Facebook page, facebook.com forward slash vision radio. Legal philosopher Dr. Augusto Zimmerman is joining us to explore the issue. He is Professor and Head of Law at Sheridan College in Perth, also Professor of Law Adjunct at the University of Notre Dame Australia School of Law in Sydney. He's President of the Western Australian Legal Theory Association and Editor-in-Chief of the Western Australian Jurist. He's a former commissioner with the Law Reform Commission of WA and he's also authored numerous books, most recently a three-volume series on Christian foundations of the common law for the UK, the US and Australia. Augusto Zimmerman, a special welcome back to 2020. Thanks, Neil. It's a pleasure to be talking to you again. Augusto, let's just come straight to the heart of our conversation today, the Labor Party has Section 18C of the Racial Discrimination Act in its sights. What makes you so concerned about comments made by people in the Labor Party with regard to this section? Yes, indeed. Uh, the Federal Labor Party seeks now to uh, expand uh, the reach of Section 18C of the Religious... Uh, oh, sorry, the Racial Discrimination Act. And uh, this is a push from uh, academics and even uh, members of the party in parliament. Uh, Basically, what they want to do is to um, not only uh, maintain Section 18C, the controversial provision in this uh, Anti-Discrimination Act, but they want to expand the provision to religious grounds so that we would have the equivalent of blasphemy law 
being reintroduced in this country in order to protect uh, Muslims from uh, any sort of uh, criticism of the religion. Now, we're talking senior members of the Labour Party here, uh, the Federal Attorney General Mark Dreyfus, and interestingly, because as I understand it, he even has Jewish roots. So his support for this, uh, very, very unusual. And then, of course, the opposition leader, Bill Shorten, uh, rejecting the government's proposed changes to 18C and uh, looking to see those changes through. Senior members of the Labour Party pushing this direction. They are pushing for this direction, and I, I suspect that they believe that this uh, manoeuvre is going to render uh, more votes. Uh, it's true to say that Mark Dreyfus uh, has a Jewish background, but he has always been uh, in favor of suppression of freedom of speech when it comes to these uh, religious discussions. And Bill Shorten, indeed, has rejected the changes to dreadful Section 18C, and he appears now to want to consolidate all federal anti-discrimination laws and expand these provisions to controversial grounds, such as religion and many other things, in order to protect uh, minority groups uh, as he perceives to be needing such a protection. Augusto, when we say Sharia law by stealth, uh, we're talking a sneaky backdoor entrance, uh, Trojan horse style uh, way of making an influence on our legal system, on the way our society functions. This idea of Sharia law by stealth, uh, some people would say, how could anybody in their right mind uh, want to actually introduce that into an Australian culture where we've experienced such wonderful freedom? What are your thoughts on this idea of stealth, of sneakiness? Yes, because uh, the idea is that people cannot be uh, criticized in their beliefs. Uh, Laws that make a crime to uh, offend a person on the grounds of just a person making a comment actually can be used by the real bigots and the real intolerant ones so that they, feeling offended, can use the law to prevent others to express their ideas and opinions. Uh, One thing that's happening is that uh, the organization of the Islamic Conference is proposing the introduction of such laws at international level, and the Federation of Islamic Councils here in Australia is saying that it would be wonderful to have such a religious protection because it's part of the uh, tradition, religious tradition, to suppress religious freedom. And the majority of Muslim countries all over the world are facing this major problem of religious persecution of minority groups, including Christians, and even Muslims who have to not oppose the orthodox belief of that particular uh, government uh, in that particular country. So it's a very terrible thing what's happening because it is indeed Sharia law by itself and it's being promoted even uh, in academic circles here in Australia because, uh, as you know, uh, we have uh, Muslim centers here who rather than be uh, concerned about the erosion of religious freedom in Muslim-majority countries, they are very much so supporting the idea of reintroducing 
blasphemy law in this country. Interestingly, where we might make an observation that the Labour Party has pushed Christians or people who've held to Christian values away from the party of recent years, all over the issues to do with sexuality and perhaps, you know, where people stand on the issue of uh, same-sex marriage and the like, uh, but it, at the same time there appears to be a rise in influence of Muslims uh, within the Labour Party and Muslim people tend to have the ear of the Labour leadership. What are your thoughts as that has begun to unfold? You are absolutely right. Uh, the main person pushing for these uh, sort of uh, draconian uh, changes uh, uh, is uh, an academic uh, at the uh, University of Western Australia. Her name is Samina Yasmin, and she's quite respected here by uh, the political class. And she says that um, basically uh, comments uh, about Islam can amount to uh, a sort of violence. And she tries to uh, create an equivalence between comments about the religion and terrorist acts. Uh, in many ways, what she does to say that the best thing for us in order to avoid any further problem is to uh, respect the sensibilities, the sensitivities of the Islamic community. And she is uh, pushing for severe punishment of anyone who dares to criticize the Islamic religion. And she's very clear on that. She even talks about a billion-dollar lawsuit. I don't know if that is actually an exaggeration on her part, or she really doesn't know what she's talking about, but that we should uh, have very heavy lawsuits against anyone who dares to uh, engage in uh, what she calls sacred spaces of Muslims. That would be like safe spaces where Muslims are shielded and protected from any sort of comment about their religion. That would pose a major t threat to this country because we need to be discussing these matters because, after all, you know that uh, the threat of terrorism is very present in this country, and it's very important to keep the debate open. So, Augusto, you have academics who are uh, rising in uh, the way that they're respected in the community and uh, speaking into uh, what appears to be uh, Labour Party policy. And then you've got people within the Labour Party too. Another, mm -hmm. uh, a Dr. Anne Alley, uh, mm -hmm. who's suggesting that there is scope to reassess. And uh, obviously, you know, just let's revisit it and talk about it. Just as another way yeah. of pushing forward uh, some likely change in this direction. Uh, you are totally right. Uh, Anne Alley, by the way, uh, is uh, uh, an MP, a member of parliament from Western Australia. And uh, Ali and Samina Yasmin, they are very close to one another. They are very good friends. So in many ways, I believe that um, the idea came from academics, academics uh, that will lend the idea some sort of credibility. Uh, and it's quite regrettable because uh, we could have established in an university here, a Center for the Study of Western Civilization, that would basically uh, inform the students that we value in a Western context individual rights and freedoms. 
and free speech is a very important uh, value in our tradition. But unfortunately, they are now uh, setting up these Islamic centers that do not seem to uphold the same appreciation, I would say, for matters of uh, freedom in general. Uh, en Ali is an Egyptian-born Muslim, by the way, and Samina was born in Pakistan. I haven't heard of these people to raise a comment about the faith of Muslims in Pakistan, for instance. If she's a Pakistani-born person, she should be, if she really cares about freedom, complaining about the behavior of the Pakistani government towards these innocent Christians. Asia Bibi is a good example. I don't see this person uh, fighting for the rights of this woman to have uh, her freedom and her beliefs uh, protected. Quite to the contrary, there is nothing. If you go Google her name, you're not going to find anything. You're right to say that uh, in Ali, this uh, MP, is the person behind these attempts to expand the scope of anti-discrimination laws to religion. Life, culture and current events from a biblical perspective. 2020 on Vision. Talking with Dr. Augusto Zimmerman this hour and talking about Sharia law by stealth and dealing with sections of the Racial Discrimination Act. 1-800-316-316 or leave a note on our Facebook page, facebook.com forward slash vision radio. Before we take some calls, uh, Augusto, let's uh, just, uh, I mentioned just before the news, uh, we're talking about the Labor Party. But uh, not everybody on the uh, on the other side, uh, the conservative side of politics, uh, is necessarily on side with uh, the idea of maintaining free speech either. There are concerns on both sides of politics. What are your thoughts? I think you are absolutely right. Uh, just to give you an example, when uh, Scott Morrison was a minister, uh, uh, treasurer, uh, he was interviewed by... Uh, I think it was the ABC, but this was uh, repeated uh, in the Australian newspaper. Uh, someone asking him if he was concerned about uh, free speech and whether he would be willing to repeal Section 18C or at least amend Section 18C so, so that the law w- would be protecting uh, people who just want to give and have an opinion on these matters. And his answer was that this was not his portfolio, so that he was not interested in discussing this matter. I think it's a very poor answer. I think everybody in the Liberal Party should be concerned about uh, preserving free speech. Because without free speech, you can't have even democracy in this country. Uh, In order to have a free, robust debate, we should have freedom of speech. Even Tony Abbott, who is now, uh, it seems that he is uh, uh, upholding free speech, uh, was uh, unable to repeal Section 18C because he was surrounded by people who were giving him very poor advice. One of these persons uh, was the previous Attorney General, uh, George Brandis, who seemed to have no understanding of the matter whatsoever because he said that the law was about people having a right, we should repeal this provision because people have the right to be a bigot. I think he got it entirely wrong. 
normally people who feel offended are the bigots, because the more intolerant you are, the more you feel offended. And the more you feel offended, the more you use this law. So these people from the Liberal Party don't even understand the provision properly. And it's very, very bad when you have an attorney general, not only unable to understand the provision, but also disregarding the Constitution, because the High Court has explicitly stated that we have in this country the implied freedom of political communication that would then render this provision constitutionally invalid. Okay, we're taking calls on 1-800-316-316. We've got moves on the Labor side of politics uh, towards including religion in Section 18C and potentially Sharia law by stealth. Uh, The idea of uh, laws that would be like blasphemy laws uh, to be used to bludgeon people who are not on your side. Then again, you've got on the conservative side of politics Perhaps what we're describing here, as you can hear Dr. Augusto Zimmerman, a sense of ignorance and apathy on the conservative side in in order to do anything about this freedom of political communication that is under threat. Let's take some calls. Let's hear, first of all, from Alistair in Melbourne. Hello, Alistair. Welcome along. Oh, hi. Thanks. Thanks for taking my call. What are your thoughts? Um, My... My perspective is from then, can we, can, as Christians, can we turn that around and say, because I've had many discussions with um, hardline Islamic people and, um, you know, they, they tell me that, um, you know, Jesus was a liar, that he, and he, that he didn't die, that he didn't rise again, um, that the Bible's been changed, but they can't tell me what it's changed from and to. Um, so it, could, could that then be used as, as um, I feel, you know, feeling intimidation or... Uh, Alistair, I can hear what you're saying. It's one thing for one religious group to feel intimidated, uh, but it doesn't really necessarily seem to work the opposite way around. Uh, Your thoughts, Augusto Zimmerman? Well, these laws were not constructed to protect uh, the Christian community. If you uh, 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 do a perusal of the existing cases, there are cases uh, involving Christians being... uh, for making uh, or stating, uh, uh, making points of view that are considered to be offensive. You even have in, uh, uh, in Victoria the Racial Intolerance uh, Act. Uh, it is a very bad piece of legislation, and it's basically what Labour uh, intends to introduce at federal level, uh, not being able to make a distinction between matters of racial discrimination and religious discrimination. Obviously, that uh, there is a difference between a person who has a color of skin and a person who upholds a particular belief. Color of skin is a genetic characteristic of the individual, and racism is objectively always wrong. But people having beliefs, beliefs can change, and we should have the right to have a robust discussion. But I'll tell you that... uh, Christians are not the recipients of the protection. They are considered to be the people who are uh, causing the trouble, according to Labour, and the law will be used against conservatives and will be used against Christians. I'm still to see the law being used to protect Christians. It's always the other, the other way around. 
Okay. Thank you so much to Alistair from Melbourne, 1-800-316-316. If you'd like to have your say today, let's hear from Sue in Brisbane. Hello, Sue. Welcome along. Oh, hello. Uh, Look, I think you just answered my question. I had the same question as Alistair, that, you know, uh, is it going to work both ways, that uh, the Christians are able to be able to stand by like what we believe. It's not an argument, it's actually just what we believe. Um, so it, it's going to be controversial, isn't it? It's going to go against um, Islam, what Islam, you know, Islam believes. So just by us believing um, or having our faith, uh, uh, why wouldn't it work both ways? Well, this is the important point, and you're making it once again, Sue. It doesn't work both ways. In Mm. fact, this confusion over race and religion, I mean, uh, anyone can tell you that there are people uh, as part of religions who have all different skin colours. And uh, people who are Islamic, uh, they're not just of Middle Eastern origin, but they're all over the world, uh, different Mm. skin colours. Augusto Zimmerman, uh, any further thoughts for Sue? Well, uh, the point is that on these uh, matters of religion, it's not the court that can decide, can will be be able to make a final decision. Uh, Judges are not qualified to make uh, theological statements. They are secular judges. It's going to be entirely counterproductive to have judges becoming theologians. And in many ways, uh, this is almost like a recreating the idea of a state religion, whereby judges are going to tell you what you can say and what you cannot say. That's entirely against the biblical worldview, where God gave us uh, freedom and autonomy to make a decision, even on matters of salvation. Uh, Nobody should be forced or compelled to believe in the Christian faith. Uh, It is an act of, uh, of will and decision, and certainly the work of the Holy Spirit. But in our religion, we make it very clear that people have freedom to decide on these matters. We are established on such presuppositions, I would say, and that's what made us have democracy in the first place, to have the rule of law in the first place, and the individual rights and freedoms for all. When you fa- we talk about this, we're not talking just about Christians having the rights. We're actually being uh, quite generous to the world as a whole by exporting the idea of religious freedom for all and human rights for all. But that has a very solid biblical foundation, because if you read the documents of the founding fathers, not only in Australia, but beyond, including in America, you're going to say, see very clearly that these rights, including religious freedom, are empowered by God, because he's not a tyrant, he's not a despot, and his laws are based on the nature of human beings as according to the way he has created us. So he's a God of freedom, and is a God of liberation of us from oppression. Thank you so much to Sue in Brisbane. And uh, let's take one more call very quickly. Uh, Shelby is in Brisbane. Shelby, you'd like to have your say, a very quick one. Uh, yeah, Dr. Augustus and Neil, how are you going? Mate, um, I'm just amazed. You know, um, the question that I ask is, why do we need to change laws to suit the people that have come into our country? Um, my grandfather 
Um, we were Prussian uh, Polish descendants, but back in those days, um, we took on the British Constitution and uh, made the country what it is today. My grandfathers, they had the German club, they had uh, the British, uh, sorry, they had the Scottish club or the Irish club, um, but they were happy just in that. Um, and we didn't have to go changing laws. And the problem that I see in changing laws, before we know it, we're going to have um, genital mutilation law in our country. All sorts of things can come along with that. I'm going to cut you short, Shelby, because we're about to go to news. Just before the news, one of our callers was making a point about multicultural Australia. I wonder whether you've got your thoughts, because this is something, isn't it, that our political leaders often will boast that we're the best multicultural example in the world. All of that's at risk, isn't it? Well, one of the ironies of these... uh idea of state-imposed <clears throat> multiculturalism is that um, it, these uh, laws that they create, especially when it comes to religious issues, uh, can be used by, I would say, a vocal group of uh, extremists. Uh, although it's not really clear why uh, people who are radicals should receive any sort of statutory protection. So it is, in my opinion, the sort of law that... Uh, misunderstands the nature of tolerance, that we should accept people uh, to have different opinions, and rather than suing people on the grounds of uh, feeling offended, this criterion is quite subjective. It's very hard for you to know whether the other person uh, might feel offended. And certainly, uh, that's what I say in my many articles, is there the more intolerant a person happens to be, the more the person will feel offended. So these laws are used to undermine tolerance in this country. It's They are used to undermine freedom of uh, religious debate and com- political communication in general. We're taking calls on 1-800-316-316. Let's hear from Robin in Mount Morgan. Hi, Robin. Welcome along. Yes, hi. This is a real hot topic and this is something, these developments are something that I'm dreading and I can see where we're headed. It's, it really frightens me. Look, look, people need to look at Muslim countries. How much freedom do they have? Do you notice that most Muslim, um, a lot of Muslims come to the Western countries because they know that there's a better way of life, there's freedom here. Now, Australians are so laid back, thinking that, oh, yeah, tolerant, be tolerant, and we'll all be one happy family and just accept everybody's religion. It's not going to stay that way because their agenda, the Muslim agenda, is to take over the world, and they will not be happy until the law is um, Sharia law here and everywhere. They need to look at that, and we are a carbon copy textbook copy of the path of God's people in the book, in the Bible in the Old Testament because as the Jews the, the God's people um, went away from God they might have been still religious but they were they in their hearts they were disobedient to God so God had to step aside because he gives us our own will and he they they were then taken over by their cruelest enemies the Assyrians and the Babylonians they become absolutely captive to them and nobody was safe. Now, we're, we're heading in the same direction. Robin, good thoughts there, and uh, certainly a reflection on that biblical example of the children of Israel. Uh, let's get a thought or two. Perhaps, uh, uh, Dr. Augusto Zimmerman, your thoughts for Robin? Well, Robin, uh, your comments were 
excellent. Uh, indeed, there is uh, an infiltration uh, of you know Muslim countries such as by the sort of uh, uh, strategy of uh, of um, financing, for instance, uh, the financing of universities by uh, Islamic countries. Uh, uh, we have uh, this influence being now endemic in some countries, including the United States. This actually enables these uh, oppressive Islamic regimes to insert academics who can become very prominent, I must say, and quite influential here in this country, corrupting the minds and hearts of very gullible uh, students. Uh, so your point is absolutely correct. And another thing that you have to say is that radicals in all Islamic majority contexts uh, in countries such as ours, they have to apply different strategies to uh, impose their worldview. Uh, in Islamic countries, as you know, accusations of blasphemy or insulting Islam can be used to uh, kill people. It's actually based on the idea that um, uh, Muhammad cannot be uh, criticized by the teachings of, uh, of the Quran. So what happens is that um, accusations of blasphemy or insulting Islam are used, are used in these countries to send people to jail and even to bring intimidations through threats, beatings, and killings. Uh, I'm not saying that this is not uh, necessarily not entirely happening in the West, but uh, these people will probably adopt other and more deceptive strategies uh, to be applied against those who offend Muslims and Muslim sensibilities in the West. And one of the primary strategies, the one that's being now supported by the labor, opposition, the idea of introducing Sharia law by stealth, but they would never call uh, the uh, novelty as blasphemy law. What you're going to say and apply new language is that we want to have tolerance so that nobody can make critics or can uh, criticize any aspect of these uh, religious tenets. Of course, that's very clear in this case that radical religionists will actually use these provisions to silence debate and even persecute people who dare to disagree from them. Thank you so much to Robin in Mount Morgan. 1-800-316-316. We'll take as many calls as we can. Mike is in Tasmania. Hello, Mike. Welcome along. Hi, Neil. Hi, Doctor. Uh, Hello. Surely... Surely it's a, uh, the answer is in Ephesians 6.12, which says, For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but basically against the powers of this dark world and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. And our armour and our weapon can only be prayer, really. Uh, interesting thoughts in there, Mike. Uh, your thoughts, Augusto? I think it's totally right, but in order to uh, conduct this prayer properly, we need to know better the biblical worldview, the mind and the heart of Christ. And I think it's very important for Christians not only to worship with their hearts, but to actually worship with their brains as well. And another thing that God is very clear in the Bible is that um, a tree is known by the fruits. And you show me your faith, and I will show you uh, you show me your faith, and I show you my faith through my work. 
And it's very important that uh, to know that even in the Old Testament, how much the Lord delighted in people of action. God likes bold and courageous people, and he supports them, and he gives them protection. Thank you so much to Mike from Tasmania. And just while this is not a conversation about that particular verse uh, that suggests, you know, the battle is against principalities and powers and forces uh, in uh, high places, of course, uh, there is a number of different ways that you can look at that particular verse. And it does seem to be that a lot of Christians only think that is about spiritual powers. But of course, when we hear those words, principalities, and powers. What we're talking about is governments. So we are talking the idea of strongholds, ideologies, and those things that present themselves that we actually, as Christians who have values different to some of those values that are being presented by government, uh, ought to be speaking up against those. Uh, just uh, your thoughts on, on that concept for a moment here, Augusto. Uh, what are your thoughts on, on the idea that, yes, it's a spiritual battle, but, of course, there are a, a battle that goes on against those laws and ideologies that are contrary to a Christian way of looking at values. Yes, even because it's very clear that uh, all it takes for e- uh, evil to prevail is for those who follow the Lord to be silent and to allow uh, injustice to, to reign. And the Bible is very clear in the book of Proverbs that uh, when the wicked rule, the nation perishes. But when the righteous are in power, the nation takes delight and prospers. I think what's happening here is that we have to start to be more active in the political realm because the Lord is, after all, the Lord of all. So we have to honor Him in all aspects of our lives. And one thing that uh, I feel that uh, is ultimately necessary, that is something that we really need to think about, is that um, we need to have or develop the proper strategy uh, and to know uh, what uh, people from the other side of the debate are thinking and are developing. Because if you believe in the spiritual realm, we are not fighting against flesh and blood. We are fighting against uh, also the spiritual realm, mainly even. And these people might actually be inspired by bad ideas, and we should not hate them, but certainly hate ideas that are undermining the rights and freedoms of so many people, including taking away the life of the innocent. We cannot forget that in this country, uh, we are still practicing abortion. And so what are Christians doing? Just praying or wanting to have the Lord to do something when actually are missing in action. I think the Lord, as I say, he takes delight in people who honor him by doing the right thing. Uh, thank you so much to Mike in Tasmania. And while there might be some uh, misinterpretation of this idea that it's prayer alone that is the Christian responsibility, uh, we ought not certainly at all uh, to neglect the idea that our prayers are not powerful because they are and we're called to be a prayerful people. But we are not called to sit on the sidelines only and pray. We're called to actually engage this battle of ideas. Uh, we're taking calls. 1-800-316-316 Let's hear from Lester in Brisbane Hello Lester, welcome along Yeah, good day, mate, how you going? Good, Lester, what are your thoughts? Yeah, mate, just two, just two scriptures um, Jesus says 
if you confess me before men, I'll confess you before my Father. But if you mm-hmm. deny me before men, I'll deny you before my Father. And the other scripture is, we must work while there's yet day, for the night cometh when no man can work. <clears throat> so we need to just preach the gospel. And uh, that's uh, that's absolutely uh, correct. And uh, Lester, let's get a comment from uh, Augusto uh, for Lester on those uh, scriptures that he's quoting Augusto. I think it's very important to uh, everyone to develop uh, a biblical worldview on all sorts of issues. And also to uh, understand the different existing worldviews so that you can actually be able to approach people who can potentially become uh, uh, like-minded, can embrace the, the truth and follow the Lord. And I think the only way we can do so is by developing a strategy that is inspired by the Holy Spirit, guided entirely by God. Certainly, without God, we will be in big trouble, but with God, all things are possible. Thank you so much to Lester. And uh, just to contribute to, I mean, sometimes we talk about being a person who's a carrier of this good message of the gospel, uh, the good news, and we're called to be preachers of the gospel. And there's this evangelism view that we have of the gospel being the message that people respond to. There's also what's called an incarnational view that says Jesus came and was born as human on earth. The kingdom was here. There is this kingdom element of the gospel too, which is an yes. influential element of the gospel. So there's there's the gospel that is the message preached, and there is the gospel that is the message lived. Uh, so yes. uh, let's continue to yes. take some... Yep, sorry, so, uh, Augusto. Just, just, just to make this, um, uh, because you were t- touching in a point that I think it's very important, Jesus was uh, the least religious person of all the founders of religion, amongst all the founders of religion, uh, Jesus uh, approached the tax, tax collectors who were hated by his people. Jesus reached out to the prostitutes, and he was even accused of being a drunkard. And so in many ways, he was condemned. They went to the cross for being considered to be not religious enough by the Pharisees. So Jesus set us the example that we have to reach out people, that we have to be engaged in this world, because no territory should be conceded to, conceded to the enemy. We're taking calls, 1-800-316-316. Let's hear from Darren in Underwood in Queensland. Hello, Darren, welcome along. Yes, um, how are you, Neil? Very well. Uh, doctor. Hi. Uh, yes, thank God for both of you. <laughs> um, thank you. It's, uh, yeah, um, very quickly, um, I think um, with what is happening, um, definitely we've got to lean not to our own understanding and trust in the Lord in all our ways. And uh, we do love all people because they're all made in the image of God, but not all people made mm. in the image of God follow <laughs> the Lord. But um, if we look at, say, the case of um, multiculturalism, what mm. I've seen happening, and maybe you'd agree with this, um, if you have a bottle, if you have a glass of orange juice, and you add lemon juice mm. to it and tomato juice and um, whatever other juice you want, uh, eventually the orange juice will be watered, will be not the predominant strength anymore. Which, um, mm. to me, I believe this is going on to um, probably take away our Judeo-Christian value system and replace it with something mm. else. But um, 
we do need to get out and um, evangelize people as well as pray. But um, if we say, for instance, um, Islam, which is uh, called the twin brother of um, progressive or socialism, because they both want to rule mm. the world. Um, but if we look at um, the United Nations, who seems to be behind a lot of this in all of our Western countries, promoting um, that we take Islamic um, refugees and immigrants, um, which I'm not against. But um, the thing is, if we look at Islamic countries, um, a lot of people, that, there's 58 totally Islamic states in the world, which none of these people are sent to. Um, but then we look at those countries, um, if you're not a Muslim, uh, you probably are paying a tax, which um, you're called a demi, which you're like mm-hmm. um, subject... Darren, to- you're making a number of good points in there. <coughs> a response from Augusto. Well, it seems that you are very versed on what's happening, and I congratulate on you on this, because you are working the, and, and working on these issues in a very biblical manner. I agree entirely with your comments. I really don't have anything further to add, apart from the fact that we, in our society, a Western society based on Christian worldview, we were able to embrace these people and to uh, invite them to join this great society. But now, because our values and traditions are being undermined, it's becoming a rather totalitarian and oppressive environment. Uh, every time we have the state celebrating diversity, the impression that I get is that it's becoming less diverse because it's becoming less tolerant. The government should not in the, be in the business of promoting division, of promoting separation. We should be embracing uh, real plurality that can never come from the state. The state should be out of this business entirely. Thank you so much to Darren in Underwood. And maybe time for one more call. Let's hear from Chris in Victoria. Hi, Chris. Welcome along. Good day, Neil. Uh, three quick points here. They just want to remove every Judeo-Christian influence because our law obviously comes from the Bible and it's Jesus. And secondly, I just can't understand how the Defence Force can tolerate Labor because, you know, they, they, they spit on the sacrifice of every Australian who's ever given his life in the defence of this country. And thirdly... Uh, uh, and, and, you know, I'll call it Jezebel Ali. Um, she uh, made a, an attack on Liam Neeson, or, you know, like she bought into that debate and called him mm. a racist. And uh, I just uh, want to reply for Liam and ask Aunt Anne Ali if she's a member of the Muslim Brotherhood. Perhaps we should shake her family tree. We might find something there. Uh, interesting mm. thoughts, and someone might do some research along those lines. Uh, quick thought for Chris Augusto. Well, it's very clear that she's a radical because she even uses the word Islamophobia. And that means that if you're there to make a comment on this religion, you should be criminalized, you should be medicalized. And in her country, even the penalty for this sort of uh, uh, approach can be death penalty. Uh, What is amazing is that I haven't heard of her talking about the fate of the Christians in Egypt, for instance. So she complains that you are intolerant because radicals like her have the right to offend this country. But when it comes to someone who is just wanting to exercise his faith in her native country, she is completely silenced on the subject, which makes me 
probably to believe, to have at least a suspicion that she's not as tolerant and a supporter of diversity as she claims to be. Chris from Victoria, thank you so much for your input. Uh, we are running out of time quickly. I wonder, Augusto, and uh, you write, uh, in fact, uh, you're, you're quite a prolific writer. You're writing for all sorts of magazines and online articles uh, should be easily found by listeners who will Google your name, Augusto Zimmerman. And uh, I know that you've been writing articles for The Spectator. Uh, you are the editor-in-chief of the West Australian Jurist, which is uh, for people who perhaps have a little bit higher uh, understanding of law issues. But where do you, uh, where can people get uh, you know, the best impression of some of the things that we're talking about here? Uh, where would you point people to to check some of these articles? Uh uh, one good source for this is the website of the Western Australian Legal Theory Association, www.walta.net.au. Uh, there you find articles that I have written, including on the Christian foundations of the common law. Because as you know, Neil, and your listeners, I have written a uh, three-volume collection on the Christian foundations of the common law. Volume 1 is on England, Volume 2 is on the United States, and Volume 3 is about on great nation. That I believe one day will fulfill its prophecy to be the great Southland of the Holy Spirit. It depends on us now to make this to become a reality. Dr. Augusto Zimmerman, legal philosopher and professor and head of law at Sheridan College in Perth, also professor of law adjunct at the University of Notre Dame, Australia School of Law in Sydney. He's president of the West Australian Legal Theory Association and editor-in-chief of the West Australian Jurist. Those three books that he mentioned, the three-volume set... Uh, all about the Christian foundations of the common law. Simply Google Augusto Zimmerman, Christian foundations of the common law. You'll be able to find how you you can access those. And the website that Augusto mentioned, where you can get some more in-depth understanding, the Walter website, walta.net.au. Augusto Zimmerman, thank you so much for taking some time to share your thoughts and enlarging our understanding of the context of what's going on. I really appreciate you and look forward to our next opportunity to talk. Augusto Zimmerman, thanks for joining us on 2020. Thanks, Neil. It was a great pleasure. God bless you and your listeners. Before you go, thanks for listening. There's lots more great audio on demand, or you can listen to us live at visionradio.org.au. And remember, Vision is listener-supported. Your donation, large or small, will help us continue connecting faith to life for hundreds of thousands of people across Australia and around the world. Learn more or donate today at visionradio.org.au.